G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. We're going to be talking religious freedoms and something of an update on where we're at and where we're heading through 2019. You might remember from late last year, the government postponed important debate and decisions about religious freedom issues, especially as they affected faith-based schools. But over the coming weeks, we should expect that there'll be more fiery arguments and wide-ranging consequences for the nation if our legislators get things wrong. The Prime Minister has openly criticised Labor's current position on religious freedoms, saying they would apply the full force of the Commonwealth Sex Discrimination Act to all bodies established for religious purposes, and that would include churches, mosques, synagogues, monasteries, convents, prayer groups, faith study groups, theological colleges, and all others. Now, we might assume that any crackdown would also include what your church leaders are allowed to say from the pulpit in your local church. Well, the Prime Minister goes on to say that the Labor Bill would censor what can be taught in religious bodies and dictate how these bodies teach their faiths. So if there's any time for concern, it's now. If there's any time for action, it's now. And good to be able to welcome for a conversation over this coming hour, Damien Wilde, who is CEO of the Australian Family Coalition. Uh, Damien Wilde, a special welcome back to 2020 for 2019. Neil, good to be on the show. Damien, those sorts of things that I mentioned in our introduction today, uh, they, for some people, will say uh, that sounds really alarmist. Uh, but really, this is a point, isn't it, where we need to be alarmed by the developments that have been happening towards the end of last year and what we're likely to face in the coming weeks ahead. Uh, what are your thoughts for this idea of, uh, is this time to be really concerned? Is this time to be a little alarmist? I think it is, Neil, because sometimes we need to shake ourselves, um, you know, out of our slumber. We need to actually see these threats for what they are, um, whether you know, how, how much of these things are by design and how much because these proposals are being rushed. Um, that's for, for conjecture. But the end result is the same. We, we are right to be alarmed by what we see before us. Uh, in your introduction, you talked about the fact that you know, the full weight of, of anti-discrimination law would be unleashed. And that's, that's very true. Um, perhaps to explain to your listeners um, how that could potentially come about, at the moment, um, educational bodies are exempted from aspects of anti-discrimination law. If that was removed, um, all of a sudden they're completely without those protections. Now, the question then becomes, of course, what is an educational setting? And I think most people would automatically just assume a school, maybe a university. But education and teaching takes place in all manner of, of ways and, and locations, as you said. So it could include uh, prayer groups. It could in include uh, a sermon in a church. It could potentially include all of those things. 
And that's why we need to see this for what it is. It's not some issue that's disconnected from all of us. You know, if we don't have a personal connection to a school, it's something that we all need to take ownership of right now. So if I say that slowly, censorship of the sermons that you hear in your local church. I mean, some people will say, this is Australia, isn't it? This is the sort of thing we hear about in headlines when there are oppressive regimes at work in other nations around the world. But what we're talking about here is the same sort of thing that we hear about in some nations, isn't it? Quite right, Neil. And I think Australians sometimes uh, rightly say, well, you know, that's, that's something that only happens in America or that's something that only happens in Europe. And it's funny, there actually have been instances of sermons and the like being censored. You know, in, in places ranging from Sweden to Texas, I can think of examples. But, you know, when it actually strikes close to home, sometimes we're not quick enough off the mark to realise that, um, you know, these problems are right under our very noses. Now, Damien, some of those things that I mentioned in the introduction came to you in a letter from the Prime Minister. Uh, he outlined a number of serious issues here and has uh, highlighted the contrast between what he thinks about religious freedom and what the Labor Party is proposing. Uh, there's certainly a, a real demarcation here. There's, there's, there's two sides developing in this whole debate. Yes, very much so, Neil. Um, you know, that's not to say that the government's position is perfect, um, far from it, and we'd certainly encourage them to make good on the promises of, of the former Prime Minister before the, the marriage vote and more recently with the Ruddock Review. But having said that, the, the distinction between their position and the Labor Party position, which is basically to throw religious freedom wholesale under the bus, it couldn't be more distinct. I've got a Facebook comment and I'll encourage listeners to join in this conversation. In fact, uh, we'll open our talkback lines uh, in just a few moments and you might like to join in and you might have your own thoughts to offer in our conversation today. Our talkback line is 1-800-316-316. At 1-800-316-316 and you can leave a Facebook comment at facebook.com forward slash vision radio as Bonnie has done who says I think Australians are being far too blasé about this freedom we need to stand up and be heard and if they won't listen to our voice we should speak with our votes now this is an election year Damien, uh, this is something that when we take these things seriously, it comes down to not just having an opinion, but being prepared to even vote with our conscience. Uh, what are your thoughts for the developments that are coming in an election year on this issue? Well, firstly, Neil, uh, I view what's happening at the moment in terms of these inquiries and the legislation being put forward with great concern because it obviously is being rushed. It's being rushed against the background of a manufactured crisis that doesn't exist, children that are supposedly being expelled from schools and, and whatnot. None of these things are happening. So why the rush? And beyond that, will we actually see any genuine protections for religious freedom? Will we see anything good arising from the Ruddock Review? And you would have to say cynically that with Parliament only sitting for a few more weeks between now and an election, that it's basically not possible anymore there's a federal budget to be had and then an election no later than may and it's looking like may will be the date so by sometime in uh, march or april the uh, the parties will be in election mode and uh, and in terms of legislative outcomes that may well be the end of the matter but the the good thing the upside from that is that i think by having all of these candidates um 
suddenly on the, the front foot and having to get out there and, and you know, work their patches and campaign, it gives a great opportunity for people to speak to their MPs, to speak to their candidates and to speak their heart and say, look, this is what matters to us. The, the economy matters. Um, you know, we can have our view on everything from migration to the environment. But at the end of the day, what are you going to do for us? What are you going to do for our freedoms? In some sense, when we talk about these sorts of controversial issues on this program, and there's often, as a lot of listeners will recognise, that encouragement to call your MP or even make an appointment and go and see them, you rightly say in an election year and with an election that is looming, it is a matter of the MPs actually knocking on your door. And uh, and so the idea of actually being prepared to ask those hard questions it may actually be a significant thing to be able to uh, confront MPs with. Uh, this is going to be an important time for those Christian listeners uh, to be confronting MPs when anyone knocks on your door with an election campaign strategy. Uh, this is going to be an important time, Damien. Absolutely. Um, I, I don't think that your listeners should shy away at all from being quite blunt um, with any candidate that they, they have the opportunity to approach. Um, you know, to ask the candidate, do you think I'm a bigot? Do you think I'm a homophobe? Uh, because this is the one opportunity that we have every three years to, uh, to express what really matters to us. Um, this is the time to gain commitments that after the election... Whoever wins, uh, either at whoever forms government and whoever your local MP happens to be, that they'll take you seriously and uh, not disappear for the next three years. Damien, let's talk some more about contrasts here. Uh, oftentimes, as Christians, we want to be nonpartisan on all sorts of different debates, but there is, as we've been saying, a developing difference between conservatives and those who are called progressives. Of course, progressive side, we're talking about uh, the Labor Party, the Greens. Uh, on the conservative side, we're talking about the Coalition and uh, various other smaller, minor parties. Uh, let's talk about the differences, because there is something that's developing here. And as we mentioned in the Prime Minister's letter, he's identified the problems on the Labor side. Uh, doesn't mean that all of the issues on the conservative side are going to be perfectly good uh, either. There's probably weaknesses and faults on both sides. But as you talk about a contrast, how do you describe uh, the difference between the two positions? Well, it's funny you ask that, Neil, because I so often hear from people and very well-intentioned people saying that there really isn't much difference uh, in this day and age between the two major parties. But that, that couldn't be further from the truth, whether it be on issues like safe schools, whether it be issues uh, surrounding pro-life. There is a, a widening gulf between the two major parties, and I don't think it's more readily apparent at the moment than this debate on freedom. Um, as I said before, I think the government position is far from perfect, but I'm minded of a, a quote from that, that great author G.K. Chesterton, who once said, before you take down a fence, first find out why it was put up. And these exemptions, these protections, the few that we still have in law, are there for a reason. And to their credit, even though the government are looking at taking down fences, they're at least looking at putting something back in its place again, whereas Labor just wants to tear it down uh, with, with no apologies, no consultation, no consideration at all. And that, that concerns me, and I imagine it would concern your listeners as well. Well, you say Labor wants to throw religious schools under a bus, 
And politically, they're feeling, no doubt, as though that's a strong position, that somehow or other Australians are having a certain level of weakness when it comes to their appreciation of Christian faith are somehow rather happy to do that. Otherwise, you couldn't have a policy position that wants to throw religious schools under a bus. And in doing so, you want to throw the church under a bus. Uh, there is a certain sense here in which uh, they're reflecting some level of perception in the wider populace in Australia that says that the church doesn't matter, that says that religious schools doesn't matter. Uh, what are your thoughts for the you know, the growing uh, ethos around uh, that the churches are not important? Well, there's a couple of... Uh, background issues that would probably be worth noting at this point. Um, one of which is, of course, that we've seen the most recent uh, census figures uh, unveiled within the last year, and largely by virtue of the fact that the um, the options on the census were inverted, so that no religion became the first um, option to tick. We've seen a massive decline in those identifying with any faith, particularly with Christianity. But some people might say that perhaps by keeping the, the questions the other way around, the, the options for so long in that order, that perhaps it was artificially inflated. So we have seen a very sudden contraction in those numbers. The second point I would make is that uh, in the last year we've seen terrible fallout from the Royal Commission into um, sexual abuse. And that has, you know, been a, a very sad moment for the church in Australia. And it's, it's not surprising, therefore, that in light of these events, that perhaps people feel that um, the Christian community um, you know, basically can be ignored. Um, perhaps it's not a force to be reckoned with. Perhaps it's not electorally significant anymore. So that perhaps people who are inclined to you know, erode these freedoms or to um, you know, undermine anti-discrimination legislation further to detriment the Christian community, feel that perhaps they can do so with impunity where they might not have been able to in times past. Um, I think the challenge is for the Christian community to realise firstly that whatever the statistics and the numbers say, they are still the majority of this population and indeed those of faith are getting on towards two-thirds of this community, which is still a sizable, sizable number. So it's really about their passion, perhaps, as opposed to their numbers. That's what we need to rediscover. The second takeaway message is that I, when I refer to freedoms, I guess I don't simply mean religious freedom, because if we talk about religious freedom, perhaps we compartmentalise it a bit. In fact, some people dumb it right down to freedom of worship, which really describes what you do on a Sunday morning. And even religious freedom seems something restricted to those who you know, have a belief in the divine. Freedom of religion and belief is actually what uh, the international instruments that Australia has signed refer to. It's the, the right to hold any belief, whether founded in faith or not. And I think when we start using that language to, to broader Australia, to tell them that we're all in this together, you know, perhaps we'll find new allies in this fight. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. We're taking calls 1-800-316-316 to join our talkback conversation. Our special guest this hour is Damien Wild. Damien is the CEO of the Australian Family Coalition and for those who've been following very closely, you might recall Damien Wild as one of those names, very prominent, very upfront, 
very influential when it came to the argument for the no case in the marriage debate. Uh, Damien Wilders, we talk about what's happening now with freedoms. Let's just reflect on that uh, marriage debate for a few moments. Uh, Same-sex marriage is now legislated in Australia, but there was a very significant battle that went on in the lead-up to that vote, and the no campaign lost. Uh, But there were a lot of warnings that were given in that no campaign, uh, really, that we're seeing some... uh, some issues coming home to roost now with this challenge to all of these religious freedoms. What are your reflections as you reflect back on the marriage campaign? Well, it's it's hard to believe it's been more than a year already. You know, here we are in 2019 and we're referring to a, a debate that was had uh, in 2017. Um, I've, I've got to remind myself to stop saying last year. Um, when we passed that year's mark of both the the results of the plebiscite being released in November and then the subsequent um, parliamentary debate in, in December, it was interesting to reflect back on the arguments that we made at the time and how quickly we were dismissed by many as being alarmists. When we talked about consequences, we were told that it was a complete furphy, a red herring, had nothing to do with marriage and, frankly, wouldn't happen. We were just scaremongering. And among those, we talked about things like um, radical sex education, but we talked also a lot about freedoms. And it was a challenge then, I think, to get uh, more members of the community to see the connection. Even now, when it's actually unfolding before us, the challenge is still no less to um, to alert people to the fact that this is here. But, you know, it's never one of those occasions where you want to say, I told you so, but here it is. It's happening right before us right now. I mean, this is what this inquiry um, in, in the Senate is looking at at the moment, and this is what will, I think, in large part, be decided by the outcome of the federal election. Yes, a very important federal election ahead and in some sense uh, could be a little bit like a referendum on freedom. I mean, you know, obviously a referendum is usually a separate vote, but uh, a election can be like a referendum. And in one sense, certainly for Christian listeners uh, and for Australians who are concerned about freedoms, this is going to be potentially like a referendum on freedom. It will, but at the same time, it's uh, unknown as to how far both major parties are willing to actually uh, speak to that. It's very rare, I find, for a major party to actually take uh, a social issue or similar uh, to an election. One of the few examples I can think of in recent years was uh, when Kevin Rudd had round two as Prime Minister and was trying to uh, retain his job unsuccessfully, that all of a sudden... um, Uh, redefining marriage became a a large part of Labor's public platform. Whether the two major parties are willing to be outspoken on this issue, we can only encourage them uh, to put their position. Um, We can only encourage them to hear uh, the concerns of the Christian and broader faith communities and actually have something about this in their platform, have something about this as their election commitments. Um, Because, as I said, before all these other matters, the economy, the environment... Uh, migration, energy, they're all worthy of our consideration. But at the end of the day, we do want to see where the parties stand on these issues. And I think the challenge is there uh, for your listeners and for everybody of goodwill to really put these things on the agenda. We're taking calls 1-800-316-316 to join our talkback conversation. Let's take a call from Erica in Broome in Western Australia. Hello, Erica. Welcome along. Thank you very much. What are your thoughts? 
My thoughts are that we're being eroded. We do when if this freedom thing that they're talking about, uh, Christian people do not. They take away the freedom of what we want to practice, which is uh, governed by the Bible. And to erode it is just as bad as saying, well, we don't want uh, people who are gay or anything in the schools. If you want to be that, that sort of agenda, that's fine. But can't they have a non-religious school, private school, that they can go to, that they can practice whatever they want, and leave the Christian schools and everybody else that want to be true Christians to be true Christians? Erica, I suspect that it's already developed that state schools have become those alternative schools, especially with the growth of popularity of the Safe Schools Program and other associated programs that have other names like Respectful Relationships and such things. But let's get a thought. Damien Wilde, for Erica, what are your thoughts for her? I think Erica um, is, is on the money and... There's a word we often hear bandied around, that we live in a pluralistic society. Um, But much like equality and tolerance, it's often a misused word. If we are genuinely seeking a pluralistic society, well, that's one where we're all free to do our own thing. Um, You know, we we hear the old Marxist line of let a thousand flowers bloom. Well, it seems that, you know, some flowers are fine, but other flowers aren't. Um, If we want that truly tolerant, if we want that truly pluralistic society, we need to find a way by which... Uh, faith-based schools are allowed to go about their business and until we can do that both schools and parents should be concerned Uh, and I I think Erica's right to point to that. Erica in Broome in WA thank you so much for your call our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316 you can leave a comment also on our Facebook page facebook.com forward slash vision radio Damien just a couple of minutes out from the news uh, let's talk campaigns for a few moments because people feel empowered when they can participate in a campaign and uh, your organisation the Australian Family Coalition has had a number of campaigns and they've been very well supported. Uh, What have you got that's happening right now? Well the big one Neil in the last week has been this second and most recent uh, Senate inquiry into faith-based schools and we were absolutely overwhelmed with the response. Um, You know it's Difficult, I think, to um, take away some of the the intrigue and mystery perhaps that happens around parliamentary processes at times, but they're really not scary. They're there for people to have a say. And we were absolutely overwhelmed when, in the space of a week, we had well over 6,000 people make a submission to that inquiry through our website. So if that's just a sign of what we can do when we mobilise people of goodwill, then, you know, hopefully it bodes well for the future and particularly for the election that's coming up. Uh, One of your campaigns, uh, the Hands Off Our Schools campaign, uh, and is that an ongoing one? Uh, But uh, but you've had over 75,000 emails sent by supporters to federal MPs and senators across Mm. the country. Is that an ongoing, continuing campaign? It is. It definitely is. That one has been, as you said, a a much longer-term one. That's been running since probably October or November, um, long before these two inquiries came to be. We realised that this issue was uh, exploding out of all proportion, media-driven, and that you know a quick response was needed. So I think that's certainly helped to put it foremost in MPs' minds towards the, the Christmas break. Um, so it is still there. It's available on our website for those who've not um, completed that. It, it sends a message to your local MP and your state or territory senators. 
Damien Wilde is with us. He's the CEO of the Australian Family Coalition. Damien, let's, we've been talking a fair bit about the Labor Party policy on what could be happening with our freedoms. Let's draw some attention to the Conservative side, the Coalition's policy. Of course, the government would remove faith-based schools' ability to discriminate over enrolments and employment. So we're talking students and teachers here. But they would also legislate a separate positive right of schools to maintain their beliefs and ethos. And some people think that's contradictory. What are your thoughts for the position that the coalition has chosen? Yeah, Neil, you're right to say that it is contradictory. Um, It's far from perfect. It really is. I can't help but think, and I know that others are of this view as well, that it wouldn't take long before this matter ended up in court because if you've got those two completely contradictory um, uh, views under law, namely that you can't quote-unquote discriminate, but then at the same time you're free to live out your faith, well, sooner or later there's, there's a clash of so-called rights and that has to be resolved. You know, we've heard a lot in the last few years through the marriage debate and now about rights And I think that people forget that freedom of religion and belief is a fundamental right. Australia is a signatory to the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights, and that actually upholds freedom of religion and belief as an absolutely intrinsic core right. Um, So to have that pitted against other alleged rights, we can see how imperfect what the government is, is proposing will actually be. So... On one hand, you know, we we ought to be pleased at least that they are taking this seriously. They are um, making some inroads to trying to assuage the concerns of the faith community. But at the same time, it it seems to me that they're rushing into this perhaps with a a view to trying to defuse this. And that's not not the way to to lead to a good outcome. Uh, Interesting when you use uh, the word rushing, because some people will say uh, we've had lots of time to talk about this since the marriage decision, uh, same-sex marriage being legalised. And of course, you know, of course, the uh, that was all deferred off to the Radic Freedom Review. But when we're talking the length of time of a year, that's not really all that long, is it? So perhaps rushing is what we're talking about here. Well, particularly, Neil, um, when you consider what happened in the aftermath of the Ruddock Review. Um, You know, I appeared before that in, I think, February last year, so that's almost 12 months now. And then the report was handed to the then Prime Minister, uh, Malcolm Turnbull, in about April, and then it was sat on until October. So you had a period of six months where we could have had that report released, we could have had a fantastic public discussion on that, But instead, what we got was a manufactured crisis when just small selected elements of it were leaked to the media, uh, which caused this this furor that we're still dealing with now some months later. Um, So in that sense, yes, it's been rushed and perhaps artificially so. And that's not going to lead to a good outcome because it's quite aside from the schools issue that we're, we're having to deal with right now. There are so many broader issues still in play. Um... Mr Morrison actually refers to some of them in his letter. He talks about a Religious Discrimination Act. He talks about a so-called Freedom of Religion Commissioner. Now, these are all things that we haven't had a chance to properly look at, to discuss and debate, and yet, you know, we're faced with a decision to make at the election in just a couple of months, and we, we haven't seen the detail of many of these things. 
Well, wanting listeners to participate in our conversation, our talk back line is open, 1-800-316-316. You can leave a note on our Facebook page too. Let's take a call from Robin in Mount Morgan. Hello, Robin. Welcome along. Yes, hi. Um, this subject is really scary, isn't it? I mean, the progression into lawlessness, into godlessness. And, you know, I just wonder if people could only discern, I mean, and connect all, you know, all of the bad things that are increasingly happening in our society, why they don't connect it with them throwing God out of their lives. But they're not happy with that either. They have to stop everybody else from being allowed to follow God as well. And that really makes me angry. Good thoughts, Robin. A response from Damien? Yes, I think Robin's quite right. I mean, looking at schools and religious freedom, we can see some aspects of what she's talking about. Um, Some of the others, uh, some are more beneath the surface, they're subtle, some are openly in your face. Um, One campaign that we ran on uh, very similar just a few months ago, again, a a Senate inquiry, was had into a Greens move to abolish parliamentary prayers. Again, we just see that open hostility and, and disgust for all things faith-based, particularly for, for Christianity. So, um, you know, we, we can't understate, I think, the importance of, of the fight we're currently involved in. Thank you so much to Robin from Mount Morgan, 1-800-316-316, if you'd like to join in our conversation. Uh, something to pick up on here, uh, you know, uh, are Australians just uh, moving headlong into uh, some level of destruction? There is a certain sense, isn't there, uh, that most Australians are being influenced uh, by the sorts of media that they are consuming. And uh, oftentimes we talk about mainstream media and this idea of cultural Marxism, this influence upon the way even reporters are uh, reporting the news uh, does have a particular left-wing bent to it. Very, very difficult to change the culture in any quick way, but it does seem to be that the mainstream media reporting on these things is not going to change uh, anytime soon. It really is pointed against the church. Uh, your thoughts, Damien? Well, um Quite right, and I would add to that that perhaps in this country more than some others we have a relative you know, oligopoly in terms of media. That is, the media is confined to a smaller number of companies and I think that's why it's so important that um, you know, stations like Vision are out there doing what they do. That's just crucial. Um, perhaps you know, we, we do, on the other hand, have some new opportunities. Um, we've seen the rise of social media and you know, while I and I'm sure others have had interesting experiences on Facebook, it's far from perfect. Um, you know, it, it's a private business and it's, it has its own uh, bias, no doubt, at times. But the rise of social media, email, the online world presents, I think, a, a new opportunity for reaching out to people in a way that we haven't been able to hitherto. You know, even when you look at vision, as I said before, not only broadcasting on the air, but over the radio as well. I've, I've certainly listened to your podcasts. These are great opportunities for people to perhaps circumvent those roadblocks and to get a different message out there. Interesting, as you mentioned Vision, uh, one Facebook comment says, uh, where would Vision Radio be with these possible restrictions? Uh, what are your thoughts for Christian media that might be a little more overt and speaking up for a Christian faith position on these things? Uh, because uh, undoubtedly uh, there'd be some pressure on uh, any sort of Christian media as well. 
quite right, Neil, and it, it's not necessarily all going to come about as, as the result of one or more of these uh, parliamentary bills on schools, but I do think that this is the thin end of the wedge. What we're going to see on the back of them, uh, particularly, particularly if there's a change of government in May, I think we're going to see an increasing push to legislate further, uh, to erode even further any remaining uh, exemptions to anti-discrimination law, and they will affect not-for-profit organisations, they will affect charities, and they will ultimately affect uh, churches themselves. So that's why we need to view what's happening now with, with the schools as just the thin end of the wedge, and you know, that's, that's the, really the, the debate that we need to involve ourselves in right now. Another Facebook comment from Danny who says, any changes that restrict our freedoms are just the first steps towards governments controlling what we believe, or should I say, what we are allowed to believe, not good. And this idea of rising authoritarianism uh, can't have good outcomes. No, and, and we see instances all the time, whether it be in the media or whether it be even in universities, of what's been called deplatforming, uh, people being uh, maligned in their character, people simply because of what they choose to believe or to express, basically being um, accused of holding an invalid argument. You know, if you disagree with someone, by all means, argue against them, rebut them, but simply to say that a person shouldn't be heard by virtue of what they believe. Um, people hold some downright strange beliefs. People hold offensive beliefs. Um, but as George Brandis, when he was Attorney General a couple of years ago, wrote, noted, you know, perhaps people have a right to be a bigot. Um, and I think we, we throw away our freedoms at our peril, you know, just because we're challenged by something because we don't like something, that doesn't mean that we should ban a person from saying it. Okay, another Facebook comment here from Debbie who says, people keep saying, speak with your vote, i.e. vote out the parties who infringe on our beliefs. However, it doesn't seem people are game to vote either ALP or NLP. I think that uh, LNP, I think that's supposed to say, mm. because there would be no stable government. So what do we do if we all voted the Conservative Party out? Uh, how would that work? <laughs> now that's uh, just uh, that's just reflecting on uh, on the the wording that was on our Facebook page. Uh, can you make sense well, of that, Damien? Yeah, well, look, far be it from me to to tell people how to vote. I think what I'm what I'm trying to do, at least at the moment, is to paint the picture, uh, which I think you know people can connect the dots fairly easily. But beyond that, you know, if, if people want to um, consider further afield for their vote, uh, but they're also mindful of the, the stability that the government. Brings. I think people unfairly malign the, um, the preferential vote system. I'm actually a fan of it because at the end of the day, you can vote for whoever you want and your vote will not be wasted. Um, I'm not necessarily advocating a, a vote for a minor party, but if someone wanted to, and this is the key point, they could vote for a minor party and preference a major party and their vote will not be wasted. And I think that people need to have perhaps consider being strategic in their voting. Um, and they can have regard to their local candidate. They can have regard to who they think should form government because all of these are validly important uh, 
issues and, and all need to be considered when you turn up at the ballot box. Well, sorry, preferably before. <laughs> I, I even note, uh, too, that in the news uh, just overnight, uh, Tony Abbott is quoted as saying, you know, it's a dangerous thing to vote for independents or minor parties. And there is a sense in which when you do vote for a minor party, uh, and that might be one that is in line with those Christian convictions uh, that you have, the policies that reflect a Christian biblical standpoint on a lot of these ethical issues, uh, you're not wasting a vote because you can put your preference for a major party number two, but it does actually make a huge statement, doesn't it, to all parties if those minor parties actually receive a strong and healthy vote. Uh, your thoughts on that for just a moment, uh, Damien? Well, that's certainly true. Um, I think the challenge is there for minor parties to, to prove their worth. Um, you know, they shouldn't be the beneficiaries simply of a protest vote. Um, if they are, there is a credible alternative it would be good to hear from, from them more on, on this issue as well uh, because there is certainly you know, a constellation of minor parties and one would hope that they'd be forthcoming with their own position on freedom as well. Okay, another Facebook comment from Terence. It's a lengthy one, so I might just uh, get to the crux of it. Uh, Terence says, Great wisdom is needed when we look into issues of religious freedom. The freedom of religion is a critical aspect of our culture and Australian character. However, it's quite often complicated by the separation of church and state. And this is where we as Christians need to be careful. We all want the right to choose freely our religious preferences, but the true separation of church and state is being blurred by Christian political involvement. This is where a very fine balance needs to be found. Uh, religious freedom doesn't just mean Christian religious freedom, but we need more extreme Christian rhetoric being espoused when other religious expressions uh, express their own views and beliefs. Now, there's an interesting uh, focus in there that when we talk about freedom of religion, we're not just talking about Christian freedoms. Uh, in fact, there are other threatening uh, religions that uh, have a foothold and want to expand their opportunities in Australia, and that leads to all sorts of other different dimensions. What are your thoughts for uh, for that comment, uh, Damien? Oh well, there's so many things I could unpack in that comment, uh, both from you know uh, competing faiths through to um, the protections that we supposedly enjoy in our institutions, through to the concept of, of church and state. And on the the latter, I just make the point that the the concept of, of separation of church and state means different things to different people. To me, it's the idea that. The church should be protected from the state, not the other way around. I mean, Christians are not um, some strange group, you know, who will walk around wearing a uniform or anything. We are, you know, plumbers and doctors and teachers and parliamentarians, just like anybody else. And Christians make a, a, an incredibly valuable contribution to society. So the idea that somehow they should be separated from the rest is just bizarre. You know, they're an organic part of this this great nation. Um, in terms of uh, I think comment was made about you know our institutions and existing protections. Something that I hear quite often is that we, we needn't worry because the Constitution upholds religious freedom and we have the implied right of political exp freedom of political expression. Whatever we may think of these things, uh, it, it's great in theory, but the practice speaks otherwise. Um, if we weren't having these inquiries, if, if these debates weren't here, perhaps we'd, we'd have nothing to worry about. But... They are alive, they're well, and we need to engage ourselves in them. Um, with regards to you know, competing faith, I think that is a point, that when we talk about freedom of religion, um, you know, it, it's uh, 
the, these laws provide a level playing field, at least in theory in that regard, that, you know, uh, as Mr Morrison says in his letter, uh, be it a church, a mosque, a synagogue, all are affected by these laws. So, you know, we need to be mindful of that when we're, when we're crafting and, and making our laws, absolutely. Okay, let's get back to the essence of what we're talking about as we get an update on where we're headed in an election year with regards to freedom issues in Australia. And uh, in some sense here, we haven't been very positive about either side, although we can see that there are some benefits uh, when we look at the conservative side when it comes to at least some uh, determination to preserve religious freedom. Because as we've discussed a little earlier, Damien, uh, it seems to be that the Labor Party under Bill Shorten uh, is uh, seemingly prepared to throw Christian schools uh, and uh, therefore churches under the bus. Uh, there's not a lot of love for the Christian church from the Labour Party. But we've also been critical of the coalition too because while they've got this contradictory position of removing uh, discrimination over enrolment and employment, uh, they want to legislate a separate positive right of schools to maintain their beliefs and ethos. And of course the outcome of that is likely to be that the courts would be deciding uh, who's right and who's wrong. So the courts will be clogged with all sorts of discrimination cases here. Uh, there isn't, uh, as we say, a lot of uh, positives on both sides, and yet one does appear to be trying to preserve our freedoms. Come back to the original sort of comparison we're talking about, Damien. Uh, have we covered the sorts of things that are important in this conversation today, do you think? Well, the point that I'd make to sort of round that out, Neil, is that the government, to their credit are doing their best to try and implement some of the recommendations from the Ruddock Review. I think it's come late. I think the detail is lacking. But there is good intent there. I mean, one, one example, and again, Mr Morrison mentions this in his letter to us, the concept of a Religious Freedom Act. Now, I've been following this debate for years, many years, over um, a Bill of Rights or a, a Charter of Rights. And we've seen both in Australia and overseas how those things have been used and abused. And I know many Christians have viewed them with great suspicion. But I think perhaps that we've, we've come so far that at this point it's definitely something worth looking at. Um, I, have, I have certainly changed my mind on that. But having said that, until we see the detail of these things, it's good intent, but we need much more information. But, you know, it's, it's a start. I think the door is open. So that, that's a... There is something there, at least. I come back to uh, to some earlier comments we made about the fact that it is an election year and uh, those uh, candidates for various political parties will be knocking on doors all around Australia and they'll be looking for people's votes and this will be an opportunity that as those uh, MPs and that as those candidates come knocking on your door, this is an opportunity to confront them with some very pointed questions about religious freedom. Uh, this is going to be an important time over these coming months. We're talking about the likelihood of a May election, and it could even be earlier, but uh, May is is the time, and, and really it gives us only a limited time to be able to highlight these things. Undoubtedly, we're going to be coming back to this topic and discussing things as there are new developments. Uh, but your encouragement, just in uh, these last couple of minutes, uh, what should people be doing, Damien, right now with their time, recognising the importance of the value of this conversation and of needs to take action in the lead-up to this election. What are your thoughts for people who are thinking, I might do something about this right now? 
Well, I would certainly encourage people, Neil, if they haven't already, to sign up for our free emails that come out um, average of weekly. Uh, they can do so at our website because we are doing our best to try and inform um, people about these sorts of issues in the lead-up to the election. We were able to do that recently when the Labor Party had its national conference in Adelaide and discussed many of these issues and set new policies on that, and we were able to try and explain that to, to people um, you know, in, a, in an easily digestible manner. We're going to have a lot more to say in the lead-up to the federal election, so that is certainly something that I would encourage people to do straight away. Well, I'll point people to the Australian Family Coalition website and that's where Damien Wilde says you'll be able to subscribe to get that weekly newsletter, an update on what's happening with religious freedom issues. It will be important. Let me point you to the website, ostfamily.com.au. Ostfamily, A-U-S-T-F-A-M-I-L-Y, ostfamily.com.au. Damien Wilde is the CEO of the Australian Family Coalition, and uh, it won't be the last time we're talking to you, Damien. Uh, you've got such clear and uh, such uh, incisive uh, uh, insights into the issues as they are unfolding, and really appreciate your update today. Thanks for being with us on 2020. Thanks for having me. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.